will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Welcome to Leverage Addicts, the podcast for investors looking to maximize returns through leverage. Join host, seasoned mortgage professional and real estate enthusiast, Blandon Lerm, as we explore property investing strategies and learn how to navigate the market to build new wealth. Welcome to another episode of Leverage Addict Podcast. And today we have another special guest joining us, Paul Buttle, the founder and director of Taylor Building Solutions. He has over 20 years of experience in the industry. Paul has become the go-to expert in the high-end building solutions in East Auckland. We'll dive into Paul's background and explore how the game of high-end renovations add value to properties. Now, to give you guys a bit of understanding of how I met Paul as well, is actually through one of the other guys that was on the podcast. If you guys listened to the episode where I chat to Wealth Mentor CEO Jono, he introduced me to Paul and Paul actually works up the road from us. And, you know, I was exploring this property renovations where basically someone bought this really old place in Albany for 2 million. And in the span of eight months, they sold that for 4.5 million. So I was really interested to know about high-end renovations and sort of what the margins look like on those deals. And so we got together, had a coffee, and uh, there was a lot of interesting thing that came out of the conversation. So here we are, Paul is here today with us. Welcome. <laughs> good, good, good. And as a tradition to the podcast, our guest needs to share how much leverage they are currently running on. How much mortgage do you have currently, Paul? Uh, I've got ha half a million on my own home and um, uh, half a million in a uh, reclad flip we're currently doing. Oh, perfect. So how did you get into flipping? Like maybe give us a little bit of understanding. Why are you doing that? Through having a renovation company, we did do a couple of small jobs around the place for guys that were buying property on selling them. And um, I've always noticed the value in houses and how it can be easily added with, with the right sort of techniques. So mucked around, did a bit of research. I actually did the Wealth Mentor program as well. Decided to take a dive and it's all going good. So Yeah, perfect. And I think you're sort of in the perfect place to do that kind of work because you are already in the industry and then now you're not just doing the job, you're invested into the job as well. And that makes a lot of sense. You have better understanding and you're going to have better margins. You have more control over those jobs. So good on you for taking that step and, you know, finding a mentor to help you out. Paul, I thought it would be really good to just understand your journey a little bit and sort of what inspired you to specialize in this area. So Auckland's an old city, obviously. So there's always renovations happening, which is great for us being a renovations company. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy the experience of interacting with customers and really understanding where their passion comes from and why they're wanting to do something so that we can do, provide the best service we can. I looked at the new build side for a little while, but yeah, Reno's is where, where it's at, I reckon. Yeah. Have way more fun with an existing house. So ton of value add. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when you first started, what kicked you off in the building industry? How did you how did you actually get into it? Um, I actually had a friend of mine approach me and we were gonna do a, a joint venture together. Um, and then he didn't end up going ahead. But after spending a long time pricing up this project, we just decided that, well, Fran and myself and my wife um decided that it was time to have a go. And um, we had young kids and I really wanted to so yeah, provide for them and and yeah, to be honest, it's the best move I ever made. Um, yeah, being my own boss, and then I also get to be a lot more hands on with the clients in terms of what they're trying to achieve, rather than just being the builder. Right. Um, and so that's how you started the business. Yeah. But you you would have, I guess, well, with twenty years, you probably started as an apprentice. Oh yeah. So um, I was actually working in a pub 
um, on uh, uh, Norfolk Island. Yeah. And uh, I got approached by a guy who was looking for some laborers. And yeah. so I was working nights. So I did day shift with them for about six weeks. And then because it was Australian dollars, like obviously getting good, really good money. And he just said to me, I was like, if you ever come to Australia, ring me, I'll, I'll give you a job. So I finished at, at Norfolk for three months and then decided I'd go to Aussie to see what it was like over there and rung him. And he, he just said, yeah, mate, you've got two days to get up to the Gold Coast and, and oh, right. laboring. Yeah, yeah. And then did that for a couple of years. And, and then I was only 18. Yeah. So, Jeez. Yeah. Decided that building was good and sort of never looked back. How, yeah. how did that work out? Like you literally just went to Gold Coast and just trusted that this guy would give you a job. Oh, yeah. I kind of, I was hoping he would. Like I yeah, messaged him when I got the over you know, you sort of do stupid things when you're younger. But um, yeah, they, they worked out really well. And then we ended up on the Sunshine Coast for a couple of years. And then I did my apprenticeship over there. Um, and then I come back when the GFC hit. So you were there for a while? Yeah, we did seven years. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. You would have seen some of the big, big buildings go up. Yeah, for a lot of while. But I, I actually did a lot of new builds in, around Coulomb and along the Sunshine Coast. That was sort of where I finished off my time as an apprentice, which was, which was awesome. Like that place is wicked. Why would you come back though? Uh, well, we, man, that, um, then the GFC hit, we basically woke up on a Monday morning, went to work and everything had stopped. So, really? Yeah. So we did a couple of months building concrete culverts, uh, for the council and then sort of decided that was, wasn't really what I wanted to be doing with my life. So we came back for a bit and we were going to, we planned to keep traveling. I ended up uh, having children and yeah. settling down and, you know, you sort of one year turns into 10 and yeah. And I mean, during that process decided to start tailored and yeah, and, yeah it's been been awesome. That's really good. So as an expert in the high-end building solutions business, what are some of the most common problem you help homeowners solve? Uh, what are some of the best value add opportunities that you think owner occupiers can put on their properties? Feel and flow. Traditionally, sort of 60s, 70s um, era houses, the, the rooms are quite segmented. Mm -hmm. You know, something simple like knocking a wall out between your kitchen and your lounge to open it up can be simple thing to do bathrooms and kitchens always really popular having new fixtures in those can be something really simple or you can really modernize it and that makes a huge difference paint's another one just you know give it a fresh fresh lease on life and do you get to see how much value those usually add to the properties like in your line yeah, of work i am always interested to see how it stacks up i don't sort of hard prying on your clients when at the other end see what their house valued up at a lot of the time it's a mixture of adding value and a lot of our clients have shopped around to look for a new house and they haven't found the one they like but they they really enjoy the area they're in so they renovate and that renovation is a combination of feeling the right places where they're at and they're going to stay there for a few years so the add value is combined with a personal choice to stay where you are but yeah i mean some some of them do it purely for add value like we've done a couple lately a pop top and a big reno on sale street in howick mm -hmm. that was that was a cool job the house layout was a bit weird they couldn't work out which way to go we did a couple of concept drawings and got the layout to work out at a master bedroom upstairs to give mum and dad some separation and the kids a bit more space downstairs and mm. yeah went really well and that, that definitely would add a value for sure yeah yeah i mean if i were to go back buying my first home i'd definitely go for the oldest property i can yeah. find on you know on a decent street i don't need the worst house on the best street but yeah somewhere along those lines yeah. and yeah definitely trying to find something that's significantly undervalued and just do the value add myself i mean i kind of did that on my first property but i would say potentially like i would just be way more ruthless 
if I could buy a can yeah. and just buy something way cheaper. But um, that's cool. So because a lot of homeowners, they actually come to this decision as well. So besides buying their first home, they've had their house for, you know, like several years and they come to this decision of, man, should I sell the property or should I just extend the property? Or very rare, a small portion of them will be like, okay, I'm going to rent this out and then I'm going to rent a new house. Or most of them want to go, oh, I'm going to keep the old property and then buy a new one. So they're always faced with this decision, right? Do you sort of, in your experience, see the advantage of choosing an extension or just, you know, buying a new one? How do you see that playing out for unoccupied making that decision? I find a lot of the time where clients have chosen to stay over buying a new one is because of something, something significant happening, right? So their kids are going from primary school to intermediate. They're a little bit older. They want some more space. But then when they go to the market, they can't find something with space inside their budget. They're able to tap into some equity and create that at home. We lived in one house for eight years. We renovated it over that period, subdivided, did a few things to add value. And that was awesome. And to be honest, like I did look around every few years and I did struggle to find the perfect house for us that we could get into with the money that we had. Mm. It's not always the case, but you do get attached to your house, you know? Yeah. Nice to, to give it a release on life or change it for whatever reason. Yeah, it's interesting that, so actually a lot of maybe these people who decide to extend their house is because they just couldn't find anything. And then it's just, you know, it just seems like, well, my budget's not big enough for the house that I want. So maybe just modify what we have and we can customize it a bit. Yeah. And you'd be surprised how much space you can create in an existing footprint. You know, like kitchens are a really good example. If you've got an old kitchen in your house, just by replacing it, modern design kitchens have much better storage areas, you know, so mm -hmm. you're creating more storage and more space, better function just by replacing it with something new. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it is. A, I mean, obviously I, I do renos, I, I'd prefer to renovate, but it is hard to find that perfect house that's new that building. Do you see a lot of extension on existing properties or mostly just strip outs of the interiors? Sort of mixture of both. A lot of people do a lot of internal work, stay inside their footprint. I think the government rules around legislation for your housing and all the different rules around height to boundaries and stuff that are happening at the moment are enabling us to do bigger extensions and create more space, mm. which is awesome. I think a lot of it comes down to the site. The new places that are being built, obviously later on, they're probably going to be harder to extend, but older houses that are on a bit more land definitely yeah like let's say with those older ones i'm sure you probably come across a few of them and what kind of challenge do you run into in those sort of extension because if it's like hey i just want to add another ensuite to yeah. my house yeah the ground is a big one so knowing what you're building on auckland council have now made it a requirement that if you extend it all that you have to get a geotech report so that can dictate your, your foundation costs but in saying that for a small investment you can have that stuff done and you know exactly where you're heading in terms of cost yeah and then obviously layout just to what it's going to impact by adding a another box on the side of your house you know what rooms is that going to impact and a lot of the time it's better to do that than muck around with your what you've got inside because you might have a layout that works really well and, and your bathrooms aren't that old or whatever so you're not really needing to touch those spaces yeah there was a time where i was exploring this i guess a strategy where you might buy you know some of the older houses they're like a two bedroom on a on a big site yeah or like maybe a small bed, three bedroom on a big site. And 
a lot of the time they kind of don't fit in that space where maybe not just not big enough for development, like the developers like, oh, that's too small for us. But then those houses is like, well, you wouldn't want to pay extra for the land because it's like a two bedroom. It's like a first home buyer is not going to buy that because it's like, why would I pay extra for all that land? I'm not going to use it. It's an old two bedroom, yeah. right? There's not much space. Those houses kind of like don't fit in either quadrant and though sometimes you can get them for cheaper but then if you think about it as a two-bedroom right but you can extend it to say for example four bedroom but in that area because it's attracting a lot of families and it's got enough land space for four bedroom i see that there was like a value gap there but what i why i gave up was like well it just seems like too much hard work for someone like me and if you were to do that where the biggest risk in terms of Say, for example, like obviously you have to chop off like some of the wall and maybe extend the house. Like, are there a lot of risk in just, you know, cutting open a house and then just adding an extension to that? Yeah, there's there's a few moving parts in terms of making sure or where we always start is making sure that obviously you go through an initial concept stage to make sure that what you're doing is what you want. But then the designer (laughs) needs to make sure that they interact via the homeowner with the builder so that they know what the cost is going to be. We do see this a lot where the designer will only interact with the client to start with and then the cost is as much more than what client's expecting. Once you get that under control and it's being quantified properly, as long as you, like I said earlier about the geotech thing, you know, you, you do your initial investigations, which we're still going to have to spend a little bit of money, a couple of grand here or there, but you get the foundation stage under control because that's where you can spend a lot more than you, you would expect. And then after that, it's straightforward because you're really building a brand new house, right? Like there's a brand new section that you're building and you're just connecting it to an existing building. So that's not that difficult. Yeah. Are there certain type of houses that might be easier to do that on or or is it sort of like you got to think maybe from a development perspective well if you want the flat land with services like those are the standard things is it quite similar in an extension as well or yeah the easiest ones we've done have definitely been on your weatherboard and tin roof or brick and tile kind of style traditional kiwi homes so like 60 70 single story on timber piles you know like it's it's easy to do the right do the work access at the, the existing house isn't isn't anything too complicated it's made from simple materials and design those ones are easy Key yeah. Stay home. yeah well yeah that's, to be honest yeah yeah well yeah because yeah. i just finished yeah. my Key Key home build. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> oh, right. like the most simple box that yeah yeah those ones are i guess easier to yep. extend on well, the ones that, yeah, the, the central hallway where you got a bedroom at the end and you can knock the wardrobe out and push the hallway to the end and then add on the end of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's good. So when it comes to renovations and extension, what you were talking about is sort of balancing that budget and not overbuilding and overcapitalizing. How do you actually try to strike a balance in that? Like, how do you know? How do you help the client avoid excessive amounts of capital being invested in their extension? Stay in the space that you're renovating is a good good advice. So if you're doing an extension, stick to your extension. I mean, if you're going to do, a lot of the time, we'll do a bathroom or a kitchen as part of the reno. That's a lot of cases, that's actually what triggers the, the reno to start with. Try and stay in that space. It's easy to get the electrician to go into the other rooms and do work in all these other areas. And, and I mean, look, don't get me wrong, have, a, have your whole house renovated is amazing. But if you do have a, if you are conscious of your budget and your budget's preset, keeping those 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 preset conditions under control is really important. Mm. And, you know, listen to your builder, get your good advice and make sure the products you're installing, good quality. You know, I mean, price is, is relative, but you want to keep everything at a mid-spec minimum. You can get some really, really amazing tapware, for example, for a reasonable price. You don't have to spend moonbeams, but if you go buy stuff, 
it's extremely cheap. It might look okay now, but it'll deteriorate faster. Mm. You know? So you just got to be conscious of that. So understanding the longevity of some of the materials you, you'll be using. Yeah. Not just cutting costs down just for the sake of it, but yeah. having something that's going to be more durable as well. Yeah. Like looking at warranties, like, you know, if you get getting a 10 year warranty on a tap, where on a, on a tap that's cost you an extra 20 bucks than the one next to it, then it's, I think that's a good investment. But mm depending on on use solid advice (laughs) so one of the popular topics at the moment uh in in the building space is that you know investors want to add like a sleep out and they don't really want to go down the track of building consents and you know having to deal with the council and just trying to maximize the space right and also increasing the yield is that something that you have done a bit of work on as well sort of adding those sleep outs on and not having to deal with council (laughs) Yeah, so there's um, an unconsented rule around what you can put in your backyard, so to speak. Yeah, so so obviously it depends on the environment you're building them in, but they sort of vary from anything from 30 grand plus, you know, I mean, you've got these tiny home guys, they do them as well and there's all that. But yeah, if you don't have a plumbing connection, that's the first thing, unfortunately, you can't have, but you could definitely put a small bedroom in there with a heat pump, power to it and make it really comfortable. Do like a path or a deck to it so you've got dry access to the house and yeah, it's, it's really, really simple. So one of the important aspects to adding that sleep out is the plumbing. Yeah, so if you any new plumbing connection, you unfortunately need a building consent. So, you know, if you want to go down that road, then you can do and put a, what's called a mine dwelling on, on your section. If you don't have plumbing, then it's really just electrical, which is fine. Your local electrician can, right. can provide a service for that. You don't need a consent. Yeah, because yeah. some older homes that I've been to where I've seen where toilets kind of position quite well is like closer to back door and so if there was maybe a i guess a bit of a pathway with a bit of cover and you can just walk to the sleep out it will work quite well yeah that'll be yeah easy to do and and yeah it's um really straightforward yeah and so something like that you could do with like a budget of 30 to fifty thousand. yeah yeah, it depends on what you're building and the access and stuff. But yeah, generally speaking, that's a that's a good place to start. Yeah, that's really good. And so, for our listeners out there who may be considering a renovations or extension, uh, what's like the typical process they would expect? You know, like let's say, okay, tomorrow I've decided I want to extend my house at yeah. one bedroom. What does the process look like? What what are the steps? Uh, first thing we prefer to do is actually just have a a coffee or a beer or whatever and sit down with you and understand. Like, what's your driver? Why are you Why are you doing this? What's important to you? And where are you at for in terms of well, look, you know, what what's the room going to do? Where your budget sits, and then we can then come back to you and say, okay, this is where we think you're going to end up in terms of costs. The next stage would be to look at getting a designer in to get a concept done so that we've got something to work with and then begin that process. Say, for example, geotech's a, a good start. Mm-hmm. Maybe a surveyor if you're really close to the boundary, making sure that everything's going to comply before we lodge for a building consent. I see. And so with the design, is it something that you have to outsource or do you have somebody in-house that can do that? Yeah, we've got a couple of local architects we work with um, that we recommend. Yeah, so depending on the project type, we, we pair you with a suitable architect and or a draftsman, to be honest, is the, the more common ones that we use. The architects are for sort of more higher end design stuff. If you're just building a box on the side of your house to put a bedroom in, you don't need an architect. You can use a draftsman, a lot more cost effective. But yeah, we've got a few local guys that work with that are really good. Nice. So before we wrap up, Paul, what is one memorable story or, or project that, you know, you saw like a remarkable transformation and you just was really, really stoked 
that you finished a project and the, the client was just over the moon. It was a couple of years ago, I was actually talking about it before. So the uh, family actually bought a house off a, a friend of ours who used, to, who used to live there and they had layout issues. So it was an old weatherboard a place. And like I said before about the rooms being compartmentalized, it was really awkward to get around, you know. So you, if you wanted to go outside, you had to walk through the kitchen mm -hmm. and they've got a couple of kids. And so, you know, everyone's busy and getting in each other's way. They tried for four or five years to come up with a concept of how they could change it to make the layout work. Mm. So we used uh, Michael from McPhee Design. He came up with a couple of concepts. We went through the whole pricing phase and worked out where they're at. Um, they, they picked one and yeah, just, I mean, the whole process was just awesome. We got really good feedback from them. They picked all their things they needed to in time and we helped them budget wise to understand where they were at in terms of cost through the project, communicated really well. And just the house got transformed into something which was really cool. And it looks really good. Like the design was made of what it is, obviously, but yeah, it came out really well. Yeah, that's awesome. Actually, I do have one more question and I thought it would be interesting for clients. When you're thinking about upgrading, you're obviously living at the, in the house already. Yes. And so with people who are already living in the house, like how can you manage that? Because, you know, you've got kids coming home, you've got to renovate the place, you've got tradies. How do you try live and reno at the same time? So honestly, that's probably one of the main topics that comes up when we talk about renos with clients all the time. And yeah, I mean, it's it's easier if you've got teenagers and you're a bit older and, and but most of the people we renovate for have young kids. So, you know, there's a safety thing to factor in there. We, if the space allows for it, so obviously if you move out, it's going to be better, but you know, rent's expensive. So we do what we can to structure and, and deliver the project in a way that enables you to stay in the house. So for example, let's say we're doing an extension and you've got two bathrooms, one new and one existing that's being renovated. We would do the extension first, potentially give you that space then you could move from the existing home into there and then we can get stuck into the, the older part. We try to be as accommodating as we can because it is a big process. I've got a new business idea for you. <laughs> you can start a secondary uh, business where you're just renting out the container that they can live in. Well, yeah. You can, yeah, you can we, pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen those like really nice tiny home on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, some of the houses... Don't you worry. They can't, they, they have no objections now. You're like, look, I'm going to give you this amazing, really, really amazing yeah. mini home. And it's even got a mezzanine floor. Yeah, the deck on the roof. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, just trying to think about like um, this Peppa Pig story that I, I'm reading my kid. They like Peppa Pig and the family went on like a trip and uh, the caravan is all specked out with mezzanine floors and everything. So, but anyway, it could be uh, your new gig. Don't you worry. I've got this other business that will yeah. <laughs> well thank you paul thanks for sharing your expertise with us the insights into the world of building solutions it's clear that your passion for creating extraordinary living space has has made a positive impact on a lot of homeowners so thank you for your work now if you're looking to elevate the value and appeal of your property be sure to connect with paul especially if you're in east auckland get a beer with him maybe in the corner pub it's good stuff. in harwick um, <laughs> and see what tailored building solutions can do for you. And that concludes today's episode of Leverage Attic Podcast. Stay tuned for more discussions on how we can leverage to our wealth goals. Until next time, I'll see you guys again. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, man.